ITC, the CBS Sports Pro Wrestling Podcast returns, and you know it's backed, jacked, sponsored, and underwritten by that unmistakable, untraceable performance-enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell, still the last time I checked the voice that you hear, but on location this week from the City of Angels, so if I sound a bit distant or washy, both are actually true, as I am fired the heck up for Saturday's Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, heavyweight championship bout, Showtime pay-per-view, and the sport of box. So, hey, you got a few minutes this week. Be sure to check out the boxing podcast, colorful interview with the bronze bomber himself. You need to be watching that fight this Saturday. But, you know, I still had to make time in my schedule to talk wrestling with you from this Hollywood hotel room. Where it's early morning, but the bed sheets they're still clean, folks. And the reason is because SmackDown gave us a reason to live after that outright debacle on Monday night. One of the worst episodes of televised wrestling since the days of Ico Pro. But regrettably, I don't have a soundboard for you this week. An error in my packing on the way to this trip. So no zipper noises, no Yappa Pie match instructions, no Brandy Rhodes asking you if you're all in on things wrestling. And maybe some other stuff. You can oh, decode come on, that. Randy, yeah. All that you'd like. So no soundboard, but I do have my co-host live and direct from FTL, South Florida Zone, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. You know, there is something missing when we don't have the soundboard. I'm thinking the soundboard is actually the third man of the ITC. I think that's actually smart. It's like we can lament all we want if we still are. I don't know if any of you out there still are. The loss of the Greek god of warfare, Nick Costos, who's now swiping in all directions in Stanford, Connecticut. But, you know, he may have been replaced. He may have been replaced by by the, uh, the soundboard, which tends to have a mind of its own. So uh, thank you for your contributions, Nick Costos. But you're gone. I'm sorry. The soundboard not here today, though, but... Uh, I caught up on some wrestling, Adam. It took me uh, staying up late, waking up early, but uh, my dedication is there. And before we get into that, I want to just say a a quick apology in last week's Thanksgiving roll call in which, once again, we thank all of our listeners. Got a lot of great feedback. You may have noticed a name missing in that list, the great Tristan Adelano. And I don't even think this is a guy, Adam, that needs to be recognized on some holiday roll call show. I think we can go ahead right now and start carving his face and induct him as the first member of the ITC Mount Rushmore because that guy gets it. He has it. I mean, you go to WrestleMania and you hold up signs for our show. And it wasn't just one time. He's gotten on TV repping the ITC like four or five times, but doing it at WrestleMania, this guy's legit. We met him. I didn't feel like he was trying to go after my internal organs and I'd wake up in a bathtub. Shout out to Tristan. Big time fan. I mean, there's always a little worry when you meet someone like that, especially when it's not at a WWE show. It was at that WrestleCon Super Show. I'm like, who, who the hell's at a WrestleCon Super Show? You know, right now, aside from like a thousand people and us, you know, so it was nice to meet him at WrestleMania. But you didn't even have to really give him a shout out because I put him in the show later and we would have eventually gotten to him. So we're going to get a double dose. Oh, of, wow. Oh, wow. Double hey, dose of Tristan today. Hey, we, we, uh, we hooked up Daniel Greer. He was riding down the road, making towns with his wife, listening to the show on the radio. And got his name shouted out. So we kind of puffed his bag up a little bit. And speaking of Thanksgiving, Adam, the Aussies down under are coming at you for not being in on this meat pie revolution. Because apparently it's like the 
the native dish of Australia, and you can find it and never well, get it. Well, I didn't say it was bad. I've just never had it, and I can't imagine eating anything called a meat pie. I mean, I don't eat a chicken pot pie, let alone a meat pie. Oh, and, oh. and it wasn't just Australians. We had someone from Nigeria check in and tell me that's one of their staple foods as well. We're, we have a question, a DM slide from him coming later as well, BC. But we do have limited time. You're out in L.A., the City of Angels, and we need to start with the main event. And unfortunately, the only way that we can really start this show is... Because if we're being honest, we have to tackle the biggest items in professional wrestling each week. And while, while I'd always love to start the show on a hot note, it has to start on a sour note. Because Monday night's edition of Raw, honestly, is one of the worst three-hour blocks of wrestling that I've ever seen. Now, a lot of people will counter immediately and say, well, you weren't watching Nitro after 1999. And you know what? You're right. I wasn't watching Nitro after 1999 because it was garbage. But I have to watch Raw every week because I'm a WWE fan and this is what we do. And breaking the fourth wall a little bit, BC had to travel out to LA. So God forbid he stay up to 11 o'clock on a Monday night before his flight meant I had to handle the Monday Night Raw recap for CBSSports.com. And when the Silver King has to do that, he's already upset because you know Silver King wants to watch Monday Night Football. And I got to do it. And don't tweet at the Silver and King don't during tweet Raw. At me during do not tweet at him. But I watched anyway, and honestly, it was three hours of mind-numbing television BC. One moment to the next, it got worse. And I'll start you off with this. Was it awful for being awful? Or is this the typical December lull that we see every single year, and it just hit us like a brick, and we totally forgot what these shows are like? I don't know if we actually see that. I remember last year being very passable for December. Certainly a holiday week is going to be another situation, but Raw doesn't have a lot of equity with us right now because of how bad this this fall run was. And then you have the splash of Survivor Series and you're pulling everybody back in. And last week's Raw coming out of it was just not good, just not acceptable, did not meet those high notes. Was it awful TV? No. But then to come back. No, it was. No, no, it was awful TV. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't what it should have been. But then this past week is just it's just straight up unacceptable. And it's not it's it's a complete lack of effort. And I don't even want to hear somebody going, well, hey, Reigns is out and Strowman's out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's fine. But you got a deep ass roster. They're paying a lot of money to keep these people off the indies and a lot of people they don't even use. This is just straight up mailing and not caring something that really doesn't happen on SmackDown. When you get a ho-hum episode of SmackDown, it's never really for lack of trying. It's never really the idea that we're just going to mail it in. It seems to be the attitude on Raw that when we're in between or we don't have a new storyline or a new way to connect the dots, we just throw crap at the screen. And there's two kinds of ways to piss me off as a wrestling fan, Adam. It's certainly not trying and it's bad content, which can be two different things. I usually get more upset at not trying at all, just rolling out long matches and not caring than I do trying and failing. I think this episode, if you really want to go as far, and we got 78 DMs coming in from people saying it was the worst ever, it's the worst ever because it was both. They didn't try, and in the times that they tried, they completely failed. I mean, can we talk about Dean Ambrose? Don't ever talk again, Dean Ambrose, and certainly don't get you know, uh, injections, uh, well, we flu have... shots during the middle of a show. Stop the madness. This is not good entertainment. This is not funny. This sucks. You ruined it. You lose. You fail. Good day, sir. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, well, I do have the Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins thing. Later in the show, we're going to do a little hero or zero rekindling today. We haven't done it in a couple of weeks, BC. But really, the two storylines that dominated Raw on Monday had to do with Baron Corbin, the new almighty Bobby Lashley, which... 
if I'm kind of being honest, like the name and I like the look for Bobby Lashley. I'm going to give them a sliver of credit on a segment where I'm going to crap all over WWE. But Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, these three dominated three quarters of the show in an exact rehash, basically, of what happened a week ago. There were two different situations where they had three-on-two attacks, okay? Then you move over to the women's side, and what did you have? You had two different situations where there were three-on-two or three-on-one. Three-on-one is what I meant for the men, I'm sorry. Three-on-two or three-on-one attacks. You had the Riot Squad attacking Natalia at the end of the Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey segment, which we're also going to talk about in Hero Zero. And then you had the Alexa Bliss crew, again, which makes no sense, of Dana Brooke, who was a face during Starcade one day earlier, Alicia Fox, and Mickey James attacking Bailey and Sasha Banks in a segment that I can only describe as one of the worst things I've ever seen on Raw. And I include uh, Alexa Bliss's This Is Your Life for Bailey in that list. So yeah, you had four There's se- no excuses. It, like, we could do this podcast show. in five minutes. Here it is. Raw sucked. SmackDown's pretty damn good, and that tickled the feel spot a little bit. But I don't care anymore on Monday nights. I'm back into that already. It only took two weeks, Adam, but they deserve it. But you had four – my point is you had four segments on a three-hour show, all of which were decently long, that were almost identical from one another. They were all a group of heels going over a group of faces, and none of them that you liked. Like, Baron Corbin, I think you and I both agree, has done a fine job in this interim GM role, and it's actually given – him some life. But I can't watch Baron Corbin for two hours on Raw. Now I know what you're going to say and BC's phone didn't put it on mute obviously even though we're recording. Good good move him. Um, but I, I know what you're going to say or what you mentioned earlier. Yes, there's no Roman Reigns. There's no Braun Strowman. And Brock Lesnar, he's an absentee champion for the month of December which sucks. But you know what? If you're going to put all your eggs in the Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins basket, then have it play out on television Don't let it be a taped segment from one half of them and the other half of them in a match that we have seen 17 times already. Okay, let's touch that right there. Why couldn't Seth Rollins have gone up against literally anyone else? Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander from 205 Live, Finn Balor could have come out. Maybe they didn't want him taking a loss. I don't know. Baron Corbin could have answered the challenge. And at least it's something different that we haven't seen before. Instead, we get Dolph Ziggler again to answer an open challenge. That's not what an open challenge is. An open challenge is supposed to surprise you in some way. It's supposed to get the juices flowing. When his music hit, you're like, oh, again. Okay, well, that you just nailed it. Oh, again. And it's like, we don't need an open challenge right now. They're, they're doing things that, that scream to you, we don't have anything. So we're going to go back to the cupboard and pull out the old staples and stick them in place. But when literally nothing's happening, there's no reason to watch. And look, in a, in a bubble, if you went to a house show – on Monday night, and you got that Rollins uh, Ziggler match, you'd be tweeting the crap out of it and being Absolutely. like, "Guys, I just saw an off TV classic." And you know what? It maybe maybe it was really damn good. I couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't allow myself to. I've seen it way too much. And if it was really damn good, it should have been at the pay per view, really damn good, not what we've seen from them already. It's just so backwards and inverted and straight up. Like that's why I didn't watch Starcade because, to be honest with you, I knew it didn't matter. So I didn't want to be disappointed if there were reasons to be disappointed. And the stuff that may have been good, we've seen it already for the most part. Mm. And I don't like – I know for some people they'll just they'll, – they'll eat any content WWE puts out there. So if you watch Mixed Match Challenge and you love it, that's yours. That's fine. I'm not – fine. It's your time, all right? But I don't, I don't think I need televised house shows. I only need things that matter. And when Raw doesn't matter, this doesn't matter. 
I'm sorry, this podcast, this vein of coverage of pro wrestling, make it matter, WWE. Like, SmackDown was pretty damn good, but even SmackDown wasn't, like, the best thing ever. Great. You're coming off Survivor Series where you stuck the needle back in us. You made us care again. I don't even want to keep going down this road of telling you why Monday sucked. You know it sucked. We know it sucked. Let's just move on. I'm, I, it gets me that angry that they could care that little. And I know it's a Vince thing because trips don't get down like that. In Paul, we trust. You know what SmackDown did that Raw didn't? It created three storylines, two that had nothing to do with titles, on the show Tuesday night. They literally just, even though they've been building to the Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio thing, they kicked that into another gear. They created a brand new Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy rivalry, literally out of thin air for us. And they started something between Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev that, again, came from nowhere when Nakamura hasn't really even been on TV that much recently. So they're doing something in a two-hour show with the talent they have that WWE on Raw is apparently unable to do. Finn Balor's out here still jobbing, even though he didn't, lose clean single one-on-one to someone. He's out here getting his ass kicked again. You have Elias, who you're trying to build up, getting his absolute ass kicked again. And what's going to happen next week? We're going to get a three-on-two handicap match, right? And what's going to happen the week after that? We're going to have a six-man tag. We already know the booking for these things going forward so because we've watching. seen it so so much. Let's stop watching. Let's go pay-per-view rewind next week. Let's stop watching, and I mean that I because mean, it doesn't matter. They cannot give us Raws like that. Like, it's one thing two weeks ago, to your point, where, like, it wasn't good. But we were able to find a couple things, a couple nuggets where we're like, hey, you know, that was pretty good. Or at least there was something that, that interest, interested us. This was three hours of garbage. It really was. And we're going to get into some of the other points later in the show. I have two quick DM slides here that I want to read. One, Adam at Adam Tyree. He's basically just repeating. You always go for Adams, this guy. Always, hey, always. We have a lot of Adams listening. Good people. Uh, I can't remember being that bored watching wrestling in a long time. Do we honestly think there's any reason to watch Raw again the rest of 2018? No, no, there's no reason to watch it because they're going to mail it in coming up close to Christmas. And even though it should be no excuse that the big stars are gone because you can just still write good content, they almost give up when the big stars are gone. You know what Raw is? Raw's the ex-football hero who, like, allows himself to get fat. He wears sweatpants around the house. He's got, like, a pill problem on the side. He's uh, DMing chicks he shouldn't outside of his marriage. Like, this guy should be, like... He's got a great job. He's a college graduate. He should be getting his life together, but he's still kind of living in the gutter. Raw, get your act together, all right, bro? Get the sweatpants off. But no, to answer your question, Adam, and we, we do have a lot of Adams, whether it's Crawley or uh, who's that guy? Par- Adam X. Parsons, the professional comedian, is trying to be, he's trying to get on Rushmore. He's trying to take the whole mountain to himself. Yes, Adam, uh, don't watch again. This is BC, your boy, telling you, do not watch Raw again. I will join you in that. Adam, the Monday Night Recap, all yours. And everybody, <laughs> tweet at Adam the no. entire time. No, that's not Spoiler happening. free living. Thank no, you. No, A, do not do that. B, uh, so it's interesting because if WWE listens at all to its audience, at all, then next week's Raw will be good. If next week's Raw is exactly the same as this one, then no, there's no reason to watch again. Um, until maybe the go-home episode, uh, two episodes before the Royal Rumble, I would say. You probably can take a good four weeks off. But the truth is, you know, maybe the go-home before TLC is worthwhile. Maybe Strowman shows up again. But right now, they are not giving us storylines that command our attention, and therefore, we have no need to give them our attention. I have one more DM slide from Chike at Guru Vane, G-U-R-U-V-A-I-N. That's our, that's our guy from Africa. That guy, yeah. we got listeners so I didn't all know, over this So I didn't know we had uh, a listener from Nigeria, but, you know, he's hitting us up, Brian and Adam. 
He said, did Adam's wish of a faction with big guys come through with Corbin, Lashley, and Drew? And P.S. Meat Pies are awesome. They are a very popular and delicious snack over here. So I'll answer you no, because two reasons. One, three is not a faction, and Leo Rush is not a wrestler in this. He's a manager. So A, that they're not a faction. B, they don't have a name. Uh, and C, I don't want a faction of big guys. I want a big guy in the Undisputed Era, which needs a big guy and needs a fifth member. So in no way does this work for me. This trio makes no sense. I don't know why they're together and Dolph Ziggler isn't with them. Dolph and Drew never split up. Exactly. If you're Drew McIntyre, why would you be hanging out with these losers? Maybe to try to gain power within the raw structure with Corbin, but like it makes no sense. I got three words for you. League of Nations. End of story. <laughs> Shout out to all those meat pie fans on there. I do want to clarify one thing. I'm eating the French Canadian version of meat pie, meat pie called it's called tortiere, and it comes from my uh, my relatives who came from Quebec and settled in Burlington, Vermont. And it's pork, beef, onion, garlic, and a lot more spices. There's no game in there. There's this is not a gas station meat pie like my brethren down under are eating. This is a professional, sophisticated Thanksgiving uh, dish. So get in on that French Canadian version. So Thank you. Before GK Nigeria. I don't know what you're eating out there. I don't know if there's wild boar, but I would I would try it at least once. So before we move to the second part of the main event, what did we discuss about Thanksgiving food on last week's episode? I I named two dishes that are must-haves, right? I said sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top, roasted in the oven, and hot apple pie with ice cream, right? I go to my family Thanksgiving dinner, which we have done for decades. Neither – so the sweet potatoes were not there somehow, just didn't show up. And they allowed an outsider, someone not part of the family, to bring the apple pie. And this person went to Walmart, bought an apple pie, and brought it over. I got no apple pie. I attempted. It was terrible. I got no sweet potatoes. So what did I do? Day after Thanksgiving, I went to Fresh Market, full apple pie, two ninety nine. It's now half gone. All right. I mean, you, are you going to excommunicate with that family member? They're not a family member. That's the key. They let an outsider bring the apple pie. That's a big mistake. That's all I'm saying. So I, I, coming out of that, I then have to watch Raw on Monday. So that's why Silver King is in a bad mood. Well, Silver King, you got a, a call out from one of our, our excellent listeners, uh, Brian Napier at It's Napes. He's not an Aussie guy like a lot of our folks, but when you ripped the idea of Aussies maybe eating kangaroo, he DM slid me and said, dude, Silver King is going to shit on eating kangaroo. Not on my watch. There's a great <laughs> restaurant in Atlanta called Canoe where you can eat kangaroo. There's also a restaurant in Queens that sells a kangaroo burger. It's delicious. I'm sure the homies down under will uh, concur. End quote. It's Napes on Twitter. What are you going to – are you going to well, respond first to of all, quote, unquote, I wasn't shitting on it. I was saying hopefully they don't because they're a native animal and they're cute and stuff. I wasn't I – was, I don't know what kangaroo meat tastes like, although I will say – I have no desire ever to eat kangaroo. Well, remember when outside the lines ESPN, like no one remembers this, like seven, eight years ago, they did this in in depth story about how in Japan they were buying up old successful racehorses from the States, like oh. people that finished second in the uh, Belmont Stakes or whatever. And then they were selling the they were killing them and selling the meat to <laughs> high priced corporate steakhouses in which you could not only eat essentially st- uh, a horse but you could eat a former racing champion oh and you know what i don't have any desire to eat horse yet if i'm in japan and i got a chance to take like secretariat's nephew or easy goer oh or something God. down i'm jumping right in i don't care the price dude i would totally i don't care if it's hopped up on steroids i no. would totally eat a champion no i'm not down for that i've had listen i've had some exotic 
I've had bison, I've had alligator, things like that. I am not having kangaroo. I'm not eating horse. Come on, let's get out of here. Hey, uh, quick, quick time out here because I'm in LA, and I, of course, anybody who listens to the Boxeo Pod on on the uh, CBS Sports knows my boy Rafe Bugs lives in LA. He took me to uh, some street food, Mexican. I had to have it. Oh, that would be great. Have you yeah. ever effed with carne asada fries? I know I'm Absolutely. way late. To oh the yeah, park yeah, carne asada. Fi- I mean, steak and fries. Um, it's great, but it's it's there's so much cheese in there that the yeah. on, the bottom part of the container becomes almost like a gravy, like a poutine, because the cheese and the beef begins to m- have a marriage. They begin to bang, and it's almost like when Brandy <laughs> asked if I'm all in, and yes, I'm all in. Like I wanted uh, to dive uh, into uh, that container. Uh, did you have Mexican street corn? That's the case. No, they did not have it at this place, but I did have a off the damn charts. Torta, the, the pork version, the yes, uh, yes. Uh, amazing, amazing. Right, Pastor, as they call it. Yes. Speaking of amazing, let's talk about the second part of the main event, the return of uh, the man, Becky Lynch, to SmackDown BC. Um, for as boring as, Smack, as Raw was for three hours, it took me about 15 seconds to get into SmackDown. Paige in the ring, bringing in Becky Lynch. There was good enthusiasm from Paige right off the top. And Becky calling her baby girl, bringing out Charlotte. Feel spot activated. The man is still real. The man is still champ. The man is still running WWE. Oh, my God. That was so damn good. I mean, where's the soundboard? Can After the fact, can we get that damn siren going? That opening segment. I mean, it's just, look, that's what I want out of wrestling. Why did I prefer Nitro back in the day to Raw when it was really good? It's because they just rolled out the balls and said, hey, you who can really work the microphone, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, go out there and start Nitro and just give us 20 minutes and just rip people and just whatever. I know this is not that day. I know there's a little more scripting involved, but it this was intelligent scripting. This was allowing people's personalities to come out. Charlotte as a heel is fan-friggin-tastic again. The lines, the the uh, – you know, the this accusing when Charlotte got accused of uh, ripping off the old, old her old man and then the man, all that stuff was fantastic. The electricity in both. And I got a couple DM slides about it. I can't find the guy who called her out, but essentially somebody calling out Becky for, you know, we said she was doing kind of an Austin thing for a while. They're like, now she's just ripping off Conor McGregor. But you know uh. what? It's working. It's working. Yeah. She's taking she's doing the smart thing, which is you take pieces of different of your influences and you mix them together. She is doing a little bit of Conor McGregor right now, and it's really, really working. I, I mean, I want to buy that the man shirt so fast, so quickly. I want to live in that shirt. I want to live. Well, I got to I'm going to pause it right there because I was going to go some gross places. But Bex is so off the wall. Good right now. And to have a dance partner in Charlotte where you don't know at the moment, you know, are they friends or the enemies? It's kind of, they're kind of working in that gray area perfectly. And I know they challenged each other and, and, and we got some big business coming up, but Bex was back. My field spot was overloaded and activated. That's what I want out of Monday and Tuesday nights. I don't want 27 minute matches, people. I want really juicy talking segments that what? Get you excited for the damn match that they're selling a couple weeks away. Not the main event that night. Not the get me a referee. We're going to do this right now. No, because whenever that happens, I instantly fast forward to that first commercial break because I know the next five minutes don't matter. Stop with the formula. You know the best thing Raw can do? Even SmackDown. Drop the damn formula. Yeah. All right? Do something crazy and wild. Yeah, you're 100% right. That DM slide was from Lorena Carrera at R-E-N-A-C. 1212 
basically said she that Becky's a total ripoff of McGregor, tilts her head back, licks her lips before every sentence, even copies the third person, the champ, when talking to Flair. McGregor doesn't talk in the third person. Um, but, I mean, is it a ripoff? No. I think Becky's her own person. Are there similarities between her and McGregor? Yeah, they're both Irish and have an accent. And, you know, you know, reddish, one of them's reddish hair, one of them's dyed red hair. Uh, you know, I think there there's similarities there. I don't think she's ripping off Conor McGregor. Well, she's sampling him because she's the way sampling, that she, she's sampling the, him. The tone she uses in 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 the witty comebacks is very McGregor like. Yes. But I'm saying this as a positive. Like she's she's sampling her influences well, I'm saying, right now. And, I'm just saying to the DM slide, she's not ripping him off. But yes, she is sampling him. But she's also sampling Roddy Piper and Steve Austin and really anyone that can speak on a mic and have that badass confidence in themselves. That's what Becky Lynch is doing, and it is succeeding. To an end, look, to, to the point that the college football playoff show is also Tuesday nights and it bleeds into SmackDown. And I saw Becky Lynch trending on Twitter. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I missing on SmackDown? I have to rewind it. And I was worried that, like, she was going to come on and drop the title because of the concussion thing. And, you know, they apparently hadn't cleared her yet, which is why she probably won't wrestle until TLC. But as I'm seeing her trending. I see her name keep going up the trending on Twitter. I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? It was either great or she dropped the title. It's one of the two. And I was worried. I was anticipating it. And I started SmackDown, and I was like, all right, now I know why she's trending. Because that's how damn good Becky Lynch is, where every single WWE fan, for the most part, just understands that what is going on with Becky Lynch is something special. I'm glad also that she rebounded and and was the focus of attention again, where our concerns coming out of Survivor Series was maybe they did shift it to Charlotte, and we're going to allow Charlotte and Ronda Rousey to be in that headline spot at WrestleMania, I'm back believing now that they do have legitimate plans for Becky Lynch in that type of role. And moving on, BC, to this match that has been set up at TLC, the quote-unquote first-ever historic women's triple threat TLC match (laughs) for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So I have a couple questions about this. The first one, and just answer this, and then we'll move on. Is it ridiculous that Charlotte's getting another championship opportunity? No, no, because everything around it is so good because they're because she just fought for Bex because it makes sense. No, they connected enough dots. It makes sense. I'm fully justifiable. I have no problem with that at all. Okay. But man, the booking on Tuesday night, just fantastic. So, so just fit. I'm OK with it. Also, it is, though, Becky beat her clean. What? Yeah, but look, Samoa Joe's fought AJ Styles like 17 times lately. Yeah, but like, a lot I mean, of that, just, but a lot, no rules. But so. A lot of, so a lot of that, though, has to do with that match was booked for Starcade, you know, just as a house show. So it didn't matter whether they were fighting. And that match only got booked for Blood Money in the Sand because Daniel Bryan pulled out. That was not supposed to be the match, to their credit. But you, by the way, you can't say it, it doesn't matter when they do change titles on house shows. So anyone still eh, think it's okay yeah. that trips can dress up in the tactical gear i know in paul we trust paul i don't trust you when you're 50 years old and you wear dx anymore and i don't trust you when you're putting on the uh the 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 shield gear in, in like uh, a, south america i was okay? gonna say, so that, that, was, I was gonna say that wasn't just a house show that was a house show in south america like i don't care uh, it's still okay. real to me damn well, it. all right you re- want me to care you want me to do this damn podcast i'm gonna have to care so about it right? regardless i don't have a problem with charlotte being in the match because it's a triple threat if it was one-on-one i would have had a little issue with it the second part, before we get to the actual triple threat part of this, BC, they're doing a TLC match after they just had this fantastic no DQ or last woman standing match, and now they're bringing weapons back into it again. So is that 
smart because we just saw maybe the best version we could possibly see of a weapons match between these two, number one. And number two, is it smart to have Becky Lynch in a weapons match when she's coming back from a concussion? No, that's the only downfall in this is that they're going back to the weapons so soon. We don't need it. We don't. I know it's the TLC pay-per-view. I know they don't seem to plan ahead on, on too much these days, so they sort of ran into it. But no, this should not be that type of match. It shouldn't be a one-on-one Charlotte-Becky match either, so it's a good thing we're not getting that. You're going to have the interference of the third woman. And, that's, and yeah. damn, this was brilliant booking with that women's battle royal because the thing you hoped all along that they might do, and holy crap, have they watered down Asuka lately. We said it. We meant it. It was true. Even when she came out in the opening segment next to Naomi, and I'm like, don't stand next to her. Don't stand next to any of those losers. The look – we don't – like – it's fake. They book who they want. Nobody's a loser. But we, people want us to speak out openly and honestly, all right? Ember Moon right now is being booked as a loser. And now that they're putting her with Kurt Hawkins in her mixed match challenge partnership, you're hanging around with losers, all right? When I see Asuka come out with Naomi – I know Naomi's not really a loser. But when you put them together, Oscar become Oscar. Asuka de La Hoya becomes a loser, all right? The, the, I thought, man, there's no chance they're going to give us what they what we want. They're just going to keep burying Asuka. So there's a couple things here. Even though they have been burying Asuka ever since she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania, there's no – you cannot deny that when she's losing to Carmella, when I think she lost to the Iconics or got rolled up or something, and she's lost multiple times since then, right? Now, you don't expect her to stay undefeated forever after – when someone loses their undefeated streak, usually they lose again. You know, they don't just go undefeated again for another year or three years. But so she's been losing. They then put her in this tag team with Naomi, which honestly, like I had a bigger problem with them not using her than having her in the tag team with Naomi, because as it turns out, they do have similar color schemes. They do both have like the rear view move. There are similarities between them enough where if they're going to be creating a women's tag team division, there's worse things than having them as a tag team. At least it gets Asuka on TV. But what I will tell you is, every while they have watered her down, BC, every single time we see Asuka on TV, what do we hear? We hear the fans go absolutely nuts for her. When Becky was choosing her new opponent for Ronda Rousey, Charlotte got some cheers. The crowd went crazy when she walked in front of Asuka. They wanted Asuka Ronda Rousey, okay? And then the, on Tuesday night... When Asuka showed up and when Naomi like called on her, the crowd cheered for her loud again, the loudest of any of the other women that were in that situation. So when the, it came to booking that match, yeah, I was like, man, Mandy Rose is going to win this match. She got the mic time. It looked like they were putting her over. And I would have been okay with it because you're creating a new star. And you're putting her in a match with two really big names. But they actually gave us what, what we wanted. They're putting Asuka in this match. I thought the Battle Royal, by the way, was great for – like a, a thrown together battle royal at the end of a regular week. Yeah, week, it, it week felt TV like show. pay-per-view. It did. It did have like, pay-per-view. It was well intensity. booked. It was well booked. So they, and the ending was great too. And they gave us what we wanted in Oscar winning, but more importantly, they gave us what we deserved. Not only for Oscar to be taken seriously, but now the potential for what I know and hope will happen is that Oscar wins the damn title in this TLC match. Michael Sanford, one of our longtime listeners who has never tweeted us before, at Money Mike 6006 came into my DMs and said what we're all thinking here. He said, BC, I love the pod, longtime listener, but it's my first time sliding into those DMs. The, the water's fine, Mike, jump in. He says, well, what about if Asuka wins? Yeah. Then Becky, Charlotte enter the Rumble 
and are the last two standing in the match. After a hell of a match, they eliminate each other at the same time. Now, Michael Sanford's going for it on the booking, but stay with well, me. Well, no, here. I mean, he Lex, says, he's saying Lex Luger, Bret Hart. Yeah, he's saying yeah. since they both won and have beef with Ronda, they challenge her and we get the triple threat at Mania. Meanwhile, SmackDown is still in good hands with Asuka holding the title. I know pulling off being eliminated at the same time can be tough, but there's no one I'd trust more to pull it off than those two. P.S. I love the instant analysis show and hope you guys continue it. Wow. Man after Silverstein's own heart right there. But uh, what this man just said is what we deserve, Adam. We deserve Asuka to be raised back up to prominence. I'm sorry. Get her away from Naomi. Naomi's not a bad performer, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. That gimmick is beneath her. I know people think it gives her flair and identity and character, and maybe it does, but it's lame and it means nothing. And she kind of is nothing right now. Let Asuka be the damn force that she is. Don't even dress her up in lingerie anymore. I'm done with that too. She's the female hit with man. She doesn't wear lingerie, man. Put her in suits more often. Let Asuka be the badass we deserve, and then yes, I'm ready to say it right now, even though I said it differently last week. Give me the damn triple threat because Becky's too hot. Charlotte's too hot. And then you got Rousey. It's, I need it. I need it and inject it into my, into my veins. I need it. I need it mainline. Put it in a pot and cook it up, and I'll, I'll freebase it. I need that women's triple threat to headline mania because the stars are too big to do one-on-one. I know I said the opposite, and you supported it. I'm back on your train, Silver King. <laughs> Give me the three women now. No, Three I mean, women at one time? Wow! <laughs> Look, it is good booking, and is it plausible? Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm always here to crap on some some takes and some you know fan booking, but this one's definitely plausible. I think it definitely could happen. Um, the only issue that I see is a couple issues. Actually, it's not the only issue. Number one, if Oscar's the champion and neither Becky nor Charlotte are contending. What is the SmackDown women's division? There's really no one else besides those three that you actually think is a legitimate champion or contender. Now, maybe you could put Naomi in there. Maybe you could put Mandy Rose in there if you build her up enough. You could probably get Sonya Deville for a one-off. But who is Asuka as the SmackDown women's champion fighting at WrestleMania out of that group? There's not a match I necessarily want to see. Now... Again, that's just a minor inconvenience if we're getting the the major match that we want. And even if they put that match on a kickoff show or the third match on the card, that's okay. But that's one thing to consider. The second thing to consider is this. We still have the unresolved Becky Lynch, Nia stuff. And we still have the unresolved Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey stuff. Now, if you tell me the Charlotte Ronda stuff is saved to Mania, that's fine. But Becky needs to fight Jax at some point. My assumption was that was going to come at the Royal Rumble. If it's not... How does that resolve itself with Bex in the Rumble, with Charlotte in the Rumble, with one of them or both of them winning? I don't know where they're going to go with this, but there's no question that having Asuka in a TLC match with these two, where the winner climbs the ladder and takes the title, provides an easy out for Becky to drop the title and move forward to a path to Ronda at WrestleMania. There's no question about it. But you do have to think, well, she's going to want a rematch. And how do you book that? That's the tough part. They can do it. They can do it. Things are too hot. They're riding the hot hands. They're doing what we want right now. This is that's probably the best part about SmackDown was that you came out of there going, man, they're doing what we want. I didn't love that AJ Styles promo, but I love that we're on the road to AJ and Daniel Bryan feuding. I love where Blue is going. They're 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 
damn, they're good right so now. So I love and hate that, and we, I don't have that elsewhere in the show, so it is worth mentioning. I didn't love the promo. I thought it was okay. But we're getting the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan feud, like, on a on SmackDown television and TLC. Now, if they continue it into Royal Rumble, and that's the blow-off match, okay. But they stopped with the, with the Miz feud. That's, like, on the back burner. I think that was supposed to be a blow-off reportedly at TLC, not WrestleMania like we thought. So do they go back to that well with Miz as a face for WrestleMania? What do they do with AJ Styles? Does he, does he win the Royal Rumble? Like I not predicted, but threw out there as a possibility and faces Brock Lesnar and that's your WrestleMania co-main event. There's a lot. The thing with SmackDown, there's a lot of things that can happen and really not many of them are bad. Whereas with Raw, every single ending to a possible feud or every direction they could go, there's bad options. And to this point, they're, they're taking the bad options. That's the biggest issue. All right, let's let's rock out a lightning round edition okay. of Hero or Zero to get us out of here. Some quick Your boy BC's got to suit up soon. I got to get ready for action for Wilder Fury Week. Adam, you care about Wilder Fury Week? Um, I'm pumped for Wilder Fury. Uh, I'm not pumped on, at the scheduling for all combat sports on the biggest days of the college football season. They consistently do it. Week one, championship week. The national championship game has uh, – not national championship. The semifinals have John Jones, I think, right? Yeah, December like, 29th. Absolute, just deplorable the way they do this. It's every big day that I have to work, they put a fight there as well. But no, I'm this really, guy. Schmatt, this guy, Silver King, always about himself. Don't add him during live well, events too, if he's not watching. It's just too much. It's don't schedule. Don't double schedule things. If yeah, I mean, why not put it on a weekend where we don't have other major events happening? I, I just don't get it. But I am very excited. Live on Showtime pay per view. I think it's seventy four ninety nine. It's going to be worth your money either way. And if you want to catch up, BC, it's being a little uh, modest here. Not only is he going to be there covering the Wilder Fury fight for CBS Sports, he's going to be in a chair many times, correct me if I'm wrong, next to Mauro Ronaldo, uh, yes. in some undercard and main press conference preview shows airing on Showtime's YouTube channel. So be sure to check those out over the next few days. Their You'll Facebook see. page as well. Check me out on the Friday weigh-in show with Pauli Malinaji and Mauro Ronaldo. Should be good times. NBC is going to try to get Mauro back on the ITC, which is what I asked him to do, uh, hopefully before WrestleMania at some point. So that would be great. But BC, let's move on to Hero or Zero. We're going to start with Tristan Ataliano, as I promised, at Ataliano underscore Tristan. He says, the Nia Jax promo on Raw this week was one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. I know BC fanboys over her and says she's not like most girls. Yeah, most girls in the WWE can deliver a good promo. It doesn't leave us shaking our heads at least once in their career. Most girls also don't have the track record of injuring the roster like her either. I haven't seen I haven't seen anything from Nia really ever that makes me want to see her on weekly TV. Not on the mic, not in the ring, and not her character. Absolute roasting by Tristan. Here's the Hero Zero question, BC. Nia Jax this week got the mic to herself and proved that by comparison to Ronda Rousey, R- Rousey's basically Piper compared to Nia Jax. That's how bad she was, at least in my, no, in my no. opinion. I, I'm going to jump right in and well, take Well, hold on. What do you think of Rousey's performance this week, Nia Jax's performance this week, and the segment as a whole? Uh, all zeros. This was the, I mean, this was the part of raw raw was bad from the start. You could just tell there was a, you know, there's certain episodes of raw. There's just electricity. Even when nothing happens, you just like, I always go back a couple years ago when Vince came back for the first time in many years, the second he walked out of the limo, it was like, Oh my God, everyone's raising their game. There's episodes like that. This is the opposite from the beginning. You knew that there was no, nothing made sense. But the moment that that my heart just got ripped out was this segment. 
deplorable this segment. An absolute zero in every possible way. To try to say that Rousey was Piper in comparison to Jax, Rousey was awful in this. Oh, that's not awful. true. Awful. That's not true at all. Awful. She, I mean, not just the, what is this red eye makeup? Are you bleeding? No, you're making my ears bleed with these promos. Yes, Nia was horrible. No, Tristan, I do not fanboy over her. She is not like most girls. Do you or do you not have her shirt? I do have that shirt, but it's more <laughs> ironic. I mean, look, I've, I've liked Nia. There's certain times, look, Royal Rumble, uh, when she beat Sasha in 2017, I thought that was a good match and a good fine. point in her career where it looked like she was going to be pushed into like being a force. No, she's gone in the wrong direction. I just think they're doing the right thing, like I said, by playing up her real life heat because at least it gives her something that matters. But this was really bad on both parts. This was a cringe-worthy segment. I don't know, Adam, how you can defend anything from Rousey. And I got mean DMs from people who are so mad at you, and I can't read them now because we don't have the time, and I don't want to make you unhappy. But people are just like, even the Silver King could not defend her anymore. We need to get a mic out of her hands and get her away from there. So there's no question in my mind. So it's all a zero for you. There's no question in my mind that was, of the last three weeks, the best Rousey has spoken on the mic in this time that we've been criticizing her. I thought it was concise. I thought the lines at the end were very good again. I thought she was way better. And I even liked, honestly, I kind of liked like the, I forgot what she called her, but like she threw a nickname at Tamina. I thought that was pretty funny. So Rousey, her delivery is is awful. Her delivery is not great, but I thought the lines, the writing was better. And I thought it was, she, let me put it this way, BC. And you can't disagree with this for a terrible segment. She was the best part of it because Nia Jax is so abhorrent on the mic. No, I'm, she I'm can't speak. Nia Ryan, making fun of Rhonda was actually the best part of that segment. When Ryan, she, was, she like, can't deliver. If you don't think Rousey can deliver lines, Nia can't deliver right, lines. Look, we're talking about something that was awful across the board, but for you to sit here and try to be like, Rousey was the best part. She and was. It was Nia's fault. Dude, you got to smarten up. Ra- and, and, Brian, and, Rousey was and a C. Smell the Folgers here on Rousey. Like, Rousey, it's time. It's time. Rousey was a C in that segment. The rest of it no. was an F. The rest of it was an F. It was terrible, dude. It made no sense that it took Tamina 10 minutes to walk behind Rousey when she was standing there the entire time. It made no sense that Nia was rambling on so that Natalia would come down so that the Riot Squad would attack Natalia. Why are the Riot Squad involved in this? What sense does this make? Are we going to have a five-on-two match? Like, what exactly is going on here? It was terrible from start to finish. But if you're going to tell me, hey, what was the best part of the entire thing? It was Rousey. She was the least awful part of the entire thing. Oh, no, dude. No. Zero on the, seg- zero on the segment. Uh, negative zero you, for You Nia can't Jax. sit here and defend her and be like, well, she held the segment together. She was only a C. This segment was horrific and she was really bad no dude. she was not really, really bad. bad i just i disagree i fully disagree she's with not that. up to par for every for how amazing she is in the ring she's getting worse on the mic every week and they need to step in and do something there has been an issue the last month with her on a mic on the mic i totally agree but in this segment like naya was way worse than her naya was awful no, no naya was actually kind of funny and making fun of rousey oh, that was the only good God, part about come it. on you are a fanboy Give me the next one. All right, let me know. Let me, Matthew Glaze jumped in at Matt Glaze, and he, he he's assuming you're going to hedge again. He says, is Silver King take off his rose-colored glasses because Rousey should not be allowed to talk or smile on live TV ever again. She looks ridiculous. Thank the Lord she can actually go in the ring or she would be completely worthless. Wow. She, she should not be smiling. The smiling is ridiculous. Yeah. It is. I just don't want – look, here's the deal in the end. It's not about me versus you or or me hating Rousey or anything. It's that she's so damn good in what she's good at that you don't want her to be ruined. 
Correct. She should be limited to two sentences of promo, and those sentences should be badass, her being aggressive and yelling, and that's it. Instead, they're trying to make her, like, give speeches, when she shouldn't be doing that. We've been saying that from the very beginning. She doesn't know how to act, so I wish they would kind of make this for her an open book, do it, pretend this is a press conference, say what you want. Yeah, I agree. That's her best. We, We said it when she was introduced. Her best promos were the ones where she said fewer words and was aggressive and mean the entire time and not trying to smile and make jokes and come up with nicknames for people. There's no question about it. All right, let's roll on with Hero or Zero. Lightning round edition number two, Adam. WWE going all in with this angle of Drake Maverick pissing his pants. And this week it escalated by him stealing Bobby Rhodes, Bobby Rhodes glorious robe. Holy crap. And peeing on it during the middle of the match for retribution. Um, This is so freaking Vince hero or zero to this, like adding any value to what has already been awful. So I'm not going to do what y'all think I'm going to do and just freak out here because here's the truth. I liked it. And I didn't, I, I still don't like him pissing his pants with big show initially, but since then, even though it's been childish, the jokes that like Rude and Gable were making backstage and railing on him uh, last week were pretty funny. Him taking the robe and going and peeing on it, eh, not great. But you know what I loved? Him whistling Bobby Rude's theme song while he's going to the bathroom on the robe. And I got to be honest, it's the little things sometimes that really put things over the top. So is this the best storyline? No. Is AOP a dominant monster tag team? Basically, a pawn in a peeing storyline between a Bobby Roode and Chad Gable tag team. That's great, by the way, and getting better, but doesn't really make much sense. And are these guys losing matches because they're watching a Titantron and a guy peeing on a robe? Is all that ridiculous? Yes. Did I laugh and was I entertained? Yes, it's a hero. That's hard to say. I, I do like that he whistled the thing, but everything about this was zero. It waters down with urine how dominant AOP can be. Look, it's no different than AJ versus Shinsuke, the feud being all about ball kicks, which you know Vince loved. And yes, there were moments that it worked, but the whole point is that feud didn't need that. AOP does not need Drake Maverick if he's going to be a a laughingstock heel manager who takes bumps and gets pissed on. Like, it's just, this was so Vince, and it was so like, no, no. No, it's so, a zero. No, let, this let me was ask you this. cringeworthy. Again, it was cringeworthy. I got a DM from Joe Googlich, who tweets me a lot, at Flair for the Gold. And he laid a very simple question on this for me. If that was done on Being the Elite, would people enjoy it? And the answer is yes. People wouldn't criticize that nearly as much if it was done on Being the Elite. Now, if it was on Being the Elite, would it have probably been more entertaining? Yeah, probably, because the characters probably would have made it better. They probably would have cursed, and it probably would have been you know a little bit more fun. But that's a good point on him, is... We take something that's on WWE, people are criticizing it because it's a little ridiculous, but rid- ridiculous stuff happens all the time on that show. Well, it's and people the execution, love it. though. There's a hip execution I in how this, they do it on Being the Elite that's not on Raw. I thought this, for being childish, for Vince, you know Vince is sitting backstage cackling his ass off in Gorilla this entire segment. This is Vince's humor, right? For it being one of Vince's things, I enjoyed it. And you know what? That's something that would have happened in the Attitude Era. It is. All right, BC. Next, oh, next up. On. Next up here, Hero Zero. We're going to go back to that Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins feud that was put on pause this week with Ambrose not on Raw, but he did cut a promo while getting immunizations and taking a shot in his butt. Is WWE completely failing with this feud, or can it still 
be saved? That's the question I want you to answer. Here yeah, no, we 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 crapped on where Ambrose was heading last week, and I think it took a it took a, wor- a turn for the worst here, even worse. It's zero. It's a massive zero. The guy can't talk as a heel. Let's wake up and know this. He's really cool. He's more buff in this comeback. He can be a crazy jacked guy as a heel, and it could really work. Not with this level of writing. Crazy jacked guy heels don't care about spending all their time ripping fans to the level that he's going to get immunizations you know who doesn't get flu shots crazy people like him so why is this happening this is so freaking stupid rollins and ambrose writes itself guys wake up it's brotherhood breaking apart with the added layer that rollins had previously done that to him there's so much juice in this angle there's more juice in this angle than a terry bolea needle from 1984 let the juice be the juice we don't need people pissing on robes and toilets we don't need dean ambrose taking shots in the ass because members of the crowd smell and he doesn't want to get it on him why is this how can this be this is so vince and it's so freaking stupid You know why we love NJPW? Because they present it as real, as if it's a real MMA scheduled fight between two guys. There's moments where WWE touches that again, and it's like a street fight, and we love it. I'm not saying there's no room for the other comedy and theatrics, but this is a blood feud between brothers. Ambrose just basically ripped cancer the week before. You can't come back from that and doing this whole flu shot gimmick. It's it's such crap. And it just makes Ambrose look like an idiot who can't talk because they're overriding him. This is, again, one of those situations. Give him some bullet points, send him out, and let Dean Ambrose find out who Dean Ambrose really is because this sucks. So can it be saved, Hero or Zero? Yeah, because of the strength of the two individuals. All you need is one great pay-per-view match or one great go-home segment from Raw, and we're all back in on it. That doesn't mean that this isn't scarring me from the inside out. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I I actually did think at least the promo was an improvement over last week, um, which was so bad. And I I ripped that already. I don't have the quote in front of me, but there was one line. It was towards the end of the promo I really liked. I thought it brought the whole thing home. Yeah, the immunization stuff just doesn't really make sense. Why is his focus on the fans and if they smell and if they're dirty when the whole focus should be on Rollins? And Rollins getting what he deserves. That's what the feud is supposed to be about. Well, just last week you said this is about Reigns getting what he deserved, which we disagreed with, you know, as as or at least I did. Um, and it's about Rollins getting what he deserves for being a bad person and for you know attacking people and and covering titles over friendship and all this other stuff. What do the fans have to do with that? They just don't. So I thought it was like a unique setting. But just as I said earlier in the show, that we had four different segments of people like. Heel three heels attacking faces. We had two segments of people in hospital rooms, like one with Braun Strowman, one with Dean Ambrose. And I'm just like, what did they do? Like take hour one and just repeat it in hour three and go, Hey Dean, you're in for Braun. And, and that's the difference. Like it just isn't enough. And it, it, they're doing this feud a disservice more than anything else. So zero absolute zero to this feud and what they're doing so far. But I do think it can be saved and it doesn't take much. It takes one really good promo and one really good segment on raw to get us feeling again. You just repeated me. You just repeated what I said. Yeah. Let's let's we, get out of here. We agree. One more. Let's go. Adam, here or zero to close. <laughs> In three spots on SmackDown, the heels went over the faces with Shin brutalizing Rusev, Randy Orton dominating Rey Mysterio again, 
and Samoa Joe interrupting Jeff Hardy's celebration. Did any of these work for you, or was it too much of the same thing? Hero or zero? So the answer is hero on both. It was too much of the same thing, and it simultaneously all worked for me. Because even though I'm giving Raw a lot of crap for doing that on Monday night, the truth is these were all at least different versions of it. So you had Shinsuke attacking Rusev before the match. That's going to lead to what we think is going to be a U.S. title feud. Maybe Rusev actually wins from Nakamura. That's an exciting matchup. That's something I really want to see. You had the Jeff Hardy celebration that I thought was going nowhere. And you have Samoa Joe coming out and cutting a Samoa Joe promo. That's how I'm going to refer to it now. It was fire. You heard the audience reaction. That is now suddenly, from one promo from Samoa Joe, a feud and a match that I want to see. And I want to know what's going to happen. And then you have the Randy Orton Rey Mysterio, which honestly I could kind of do without. Randy Orton, I love him. But he's not doing much for me. And Rey Mysterio in his return, I love him. He's not doing much for me. So... I don't know what that's really going to do, but overall, for those being the in-between segments on SmackDown, those were better individually than anything Raw did on Monday night. Hero. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. We got to go. I got to go. We got to get out of here. Feel spot was Tuesday night SmackDown. And I'm minor feel spot here. Ms. Shane. I actually now like where they're going with this. I like the, the, the writing for Ms. in this and how he's trying to manipulate Shane. I like it a lot feel spot. There it is for me. So I don't have a full feel spot, but I've been watching while I've been doing work at home, this NXT UK, and I'm not fully paying attention. It's too much wrestling, but this guy, Jordan Devlin, who I think is like Finn Balor's protege is on NXT UK. This dude's for real. Check him out. Um, I would not be surprised if we see him maybe getting the booking that Finn Balor's always wanted in WWE at some point in the next decade. So Jordan Devlin's my feel spot. Really young, good talent, and NXT UK is pretty good. It's entertaining, so check that out when you have the time. And check out our box pod again this week, previewing Wilder Fury. Good interview with Deontay. And our boy Eric at Ribsauce, who I called out for turning heel on me last week, did come back with a DM. He wanted to address the comment. He says this, I did not turn heel, BC. You did under those dirty bedsheets in Brooklyn, and you have continued healing off ever since. We keep it old school in the rib sauce household, booing the heels, even if we like them in real life. Sorry to break kayfabe here. So I'm currently Team Silver King, but you will always be the Victor Conte of performance-enhancing audio. P.S. The biggest ITC pop of the year was during your five minutes of putting over the great listeners when the Silver King only said three words. Rib sauce is great. Real <laughs> recognizing real. Rib sauce is out. Still dead to me. Turned heel on me. But I can appreciate the sentiment. Adam, we are out. Do you have any message? Anything else you want to sell to the people? We got to get this. We got to get a sponsor on the show. We got to get a big time sponsor. Right? We do. No. Uh, just imagine in your heads, Randy Savage telling you to say goodbye. And BC, we out. <laughs>